0: I wasn't a hard negotiator, and I loved to say yes and please people, so I had to come with an exorbitant price tag on the front so I could say yes and please people a couple times and still walk away with my skin.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Essential Craftsman Podcast. I'm Nate. I've got my dad here, the Essential Craftsman. We are talking about negotiation. First and foremost, um, do you consider yourself a good negotiator? I don't really think so. I
0: don't really think. I'm a, I'm only a middling businessman, generally. And it seems to me, at least from my perspective, watching other people who have done better, better in business, it's almost always because they are really great negotiators. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm probably about a 60%
1: or something like that, I would guess. How do you even judge a good negotiator? Does that mean persuading or Mm. getting a good deal? There's an implication of almost like taking away from somebody else, but I don't necessarily think that's the case. How how do you like even define a good negotiation?
0: I guess I like to think that I try to play nice and like to leave something on the table for the other guy. But if I'm really honest, I don't, I don't think I've always shot for that. So I don't know. I don't know a lot about that, but I think that it's best when you can be happy to come back together again and negotiate a next deal. Maybe that's a criteria. If you negotiate one deal with somebody and you're both willing to come back and do business again, then it was a good negotiation. You know, maybe I've, maybe I have in the back of my mind realized that, that even when I was in a stronger negotiating position, if I capitalized on that too hard, I'd be slamming the door on future interaction with this person that would amount to having lost That negotiation, you know, maybe I'm drawing too much out of that emotion of that
1: emotional capital with one negotiation. I don't know. Is there one type of person or individual or negotiator that that you generally uh, don't work well with or don't enjoy or
0: yeah, selfish people are not fun, right? Mm -hmm. I mean i I, I've got a lot of i've I've been blessed with a lot of great friends, and as I think back over who those people are, not one of them was selfish. You know, as far as in. uh, and when you run into somebody in a negotiation that you, that you can tell right off the bat, whoa, this person is really, is, is only thinking about extracting everything they can extract. It's like, yeah. show me the door. Yeah. I've got to do something else right now because if I waste any more time here,
1: one or both of us is going to be really unhappy. Yeah, I've seen that on a big scale and a small scale. On a big scale, selling real estate, some people will be... <laughs> asking and negotiating and like trying to claw things back till the till the very last second they are just constantly like yeah undermining and complaining and and negotiating for, you know, more, usually money or better terms or whatever. And then those people, after the deal closes, six months later, you're going to get a letter from their attorney and they're going to try yeah. to continue to negotiate this time with the point of a gun, you it's, know? It's just, it is an absolute nightmare and you can sense it early on once you kind of have a deal with the person and then they keep, you know, bringing up all these other things and it's like, wait, do, do I have a deal? And then, and then in a smaller um, example, this happened just last week. In fact, I mentioned this camera we were going to buy a new camera not a new camera actually another camera like what we already have so you could have one in the shop for how did that go did we talk about that (laughs) it the deal was worked out and they wrote back and they said well actually for that price i won't include the bag Uh Uh (laughs) uh-huh it was like this camera backpack it's probably worth like 40 bucks new and the Uh camera was a thousand dollars just for reference and dead deal instantly i i yeah instantaneously I lost all interest in meeting the person and buying their camera and yeah. maybe giving them the sa- not satisfaction but it killed it for yeah. me completely yeah. and I, I didn't want the camera bad enough to have to like capitulate on that uh-huh. little backpack. In fact the car we're driving right now
0: we bought it found it on Craigslist man the price was good you know it was it, it seemed like a great deal and we made the deal over the phone I think we were talking to the guy to the the wife and it was exactly what we were looking for. And it was remarkably under where a lot of the other automobiles had been. And between the time that we made the deal on the phone and we were driving three hours over to pick up the car, they realized that in some way they had not refreshed their ad on Craigslist or something. And so the the number of people had looked at it had gone to almost zero. And uh, anyhow, they they had lowered the price because of, of a lack of interest and then they realized the lack of interest was because of the way they had posted the ad and then I showed up and they made the deal and they realized oh if we would have cleaned up our ad but we kind of had a deal mm-hmm. and so when I got over there and I was counting out the money in cash I don't know it was six or seven thousand bucks or whatever it was he wanted another hundred dollar bill right then yeah. right then but I was three hours for home or I would have turned on my heel and yeah. said you know thank you man thank you but no thanks so that that yeah. is there's a negotiating style that defeats any chance of future interaction. We were talking about this before we started the f- camera rolling, that you've had a lot more experience in negotiating purchases, because you 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 turned a lot of properties in Arizona, like a lot, um, dozens and dozens and dozens of properties. And most of my negotiation has been in negotiating a sale price as a contractor where I'm coming with a proposal and a contract and here's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. And so what I finally got to, and I'm not sure this speaks to your question, but what I finally realized was that I wasn't a hard negotiator and I loved to say yes and please people. So I had to come with an exorbitant price tag on the front mm. so I could say yes and please people a couple times and still walk away with my skin. Mm-hmm. And so I... And so, so this contractor arrangement with a prospective client is not a pure negotiation like we're talking about maybe with an automobile, but that's the way that, that I approached
1: a, a sale was like that. And, and they really are different when you're negotiating a a purchase or a sale where you're both kind of part ways with a some mm-hmm. piece of you know personal property. Right. Um, that's one thing, but when you're negotiating labor and service service and risk Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. access and expectations Mm -hmm. that 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 probably should really be a whole different conversation because wow i mean if someone's asking for concessions from what you've proposed the negotiation includes a lot more than the bottom line yeah and the
0: concessions or the demands can include a lot more than just dollars and so it's really complicated and in that the contractor's at a profound advantage because he understands these or he's potentially an advantage because he understands or should understand more about those soft aspects that the homeowner may or may not be thinking of, mm-hmm. and so when the homeowner is focused on the dollar amount and the contractor is thinking of all the other ways to prevail in the negotiation, in spite of giving ground on the dollar amount, I mean, you can. There's a built-in advantage there. Yeah. That I I I never capitalized on it very well, but I learned to at least protect myself.
1: Yeah. You know? and i'm sure it's been the other way where a a, con, a client has you know pushed so hard on the price and kind of put you in a box where at the end of the job you are kind of losing yep. and you walk away thinking i will never give an inch that's because it. i just lost yeah. 3 weeks and whatever you know so, so p- right then i walked away thinking okay that's it i'm
0: putting 5% more on my overhead and profit markup from now on yeah and then the other thing, back to the earlier part, was I'm never playing with this person again. Yeah, you know, and there were there's been a lot of times when people would call me back up or email me, "Hey, I got another project, inviting you back into the
1: game." <laughs> um, you know, let me recommend my good friend somebody else, <laughs> somebody, right? somebody you hate. <laughs> <laughs> that there, there really are some skills and some tricks, and it really is something that people have to learn and develop. Mm-hmm. So, are there tricks you employ or techniques that work for you? When you are going to make a purchase on an item, let's say a vehicle or a tool or something?
0: So there are, there are tricks I've read about and learned about that should work for me, but I cave pretty easy. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That That's a personal deficiency. But one of the first ones is, and everyone, probably everyone listening to this is, is shouting right now,
1: don't lay down the first number. Don't stake out your position first. And that is a really great rule. Uh, to me, I think it's actually the opposite. Really? And from what I've learned... And from from my, you know, the method that I use is actually the exact opposite, and I can explain why. Number one, um, the first person, the first number that gets said is so important because that's everything after that in the conversation is revolving around that number. Uh-huh. Even if the even if the number is like a, a lowball or way too high or something, mm-hmm. that the next com- the next comment is going to be about that number. And so what I learned from a, a friend in Arizona who I think is was it just a fantastic negotiator, best I've ever seen. He's really was amazing. Um, he he would always make sure he said the first number, but he would just make sure he prepared the person a lot before he said that number. Interesting. So for example, if it was for a house or vehicle or whatever, but let's say a house, he would before he spoke. Build the beans, you know, and splurge this number, and he's an investor, so he's buying property well below market, mm-hmm. and these numbers would be wholesale considered prices, low balls. Mm-hmm. So this is not like a mm-hmm. this is not a fair market value. It's not nice. This no. is a low ball. This is real, you know, investor cash purchasing. Anyways, he would spend almost an un- uncomfortably long time talking about all the things. Wrong with the property and kind of getting their expectations, thinking, like, oh my gosh, this number is going to be like pennies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then when he would give them a number, which was still a fair price, I don't misunderstand this. You know, mm-hmm. he would get whatever the fair price would be, it might not have been what they were thinking, but by the time that number came out, they were number one, expecting it, number two, Often expecting worse. Oh, <laughs> than that. So they they brightened up, kind when they heard of. His number, and even if as as was the case, a lot of times where there was no deal to be had, the the buyer and the seller were too far apart. Right. Even if that was the case, by starting with that stake in the ground at that let's say low number. <sighs> or a high number if the mm-hmm. if he was selling the property he would do the same thing say all the reasons why the property is incredible and worth this high price and then he would say the number mm-hmm. even if they're far apart the person would have to like start at that number and like work their way back down so that really made a lot of sense for me and and kind of the only way it works is if you understand completely and perfectly what your item is worth, whether you're buying or selling it, you have to know what it's worth. Another important strategy in negotiating and getting a good deal, whether you're buying or selling, is is just the general approach, almost like the intangible things, what you're wearing, what Mm -hmm. the person thinks of you. Mm -hmm. If you are negotiating with someone you've known for years and years and years versus someone that you are just meeting in a parking lot or (laughs) something, these first impressions are... Are really important, and um, they are. I've seen I've seen people use that to their advantage in two ways. You know, someone might dress to the nines and be in their fanciest truck and Mm -hmm. and really try to convey a atmosphere of success and wealth and like I know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. because I'm obviously so successful. So, but for me, the way that that's been utilized that is the most helpful is actually the opposite of sort of coming into a negotiation, underplaying your hand, not showing your cards, driving your oldest, most busted up work truck. And with the approach of like, well, this is kind of what I can afford, and maybe it's worth more. And I found that at times when when the person has this mindset of like, well, this is a working man like me, and I know that blah, 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 you know, it can be also helpful as opposed to thinking hey this guy's got deep pockets and i'm gonna you know get every dollar out of him so true whales are only harpooned when they come to the surface
0: as long as the whale's under the surface he Mm. is safe but when he comes up and shows himself and and breaches and and spouts that's the time he's stuck right yeah and so that's kind of a way to think about what you're talking about flying under the radar yeah there's safety in that
1: the fellow i mentioned in arizona who i learned a lot about negotiating from Vladimir was a Russian guy and his education was all street smarts and he was, he had the doctorate in it. And, <laughs> Advanced and yeah, degree. oh man, he was teaching the class. <laughs> and we did a lot of business together and yeah, as partners. And also we had to negotiate several deals on opposite sides of the table uh-huh. from one another. And man, it was, I almost, I was kind of scared the whole time just knowing like, man, this guy doesn't lose. Uh-huh. One thing that helped me, and I and I, I feel like every, each of those negotiations worked out great because we we both understood the value of the assets we were negotiating over. But another trick that really has helped me a lot of times is by not being in a hurry and being able to wait mm. even a day or two mm-hmm. and not let somebody bully you into making a decision right now. Mm-hmm. That's almost a guarantee. No, not a guarantee, but that's a good way. Your your red flags should be going off and buzzers should be beeping if you're negotiating with somebody and it's signed now or the offer is off the table. I mean, and, that's and, that's a red flag to me. And the, the opposite side of that coin is
0: is in a negotiation, when you recognize a deal is, is good for you, do it right now exactly. and insist that it happens right now.
1: I enjoy learning and hearing about negotiation. I think it's one of those things that you absolutely have to develop your own method and system yeah. and what works for you. I've tried, when I was younger, I kind of thought, okay, well, you walk in and you'll lowball the person. And, and it just, I couldn't do it. I still can't. You know, yeah, if I'm so even hard. negotiating over a, a used barbecue mm-hmm. and I'm walking in thinking I could save $25 on it, I just pay them what they're asking because yeah. I I don't like that moment of having to take somebody off guard and yeah. whittle away at yeah. something that's implied. So, so yeah. I love deals where the price is... You know, already on the table, and it's everybody's on the same page, and you snatch it up quick, and it's yeah. you know all, all of the usual things. But I certainly don't like. I, mean, I don't know if anybody does, but pushing somebody back and pushing Some them and pushing do. them. Some
0: people do. Doggone it! Some people do. Yeah,
1: twisted people yeah, who do that. It, it, that's for sure. I loved getting that camera deal, like I mentioned. It, I, I just puts a smile on my face. It's still for sale on Craigslist, <laughs> and I just like <laughs> chuckle every time. Like, should I go in as a
0: straw buyer and see what happens? Uh, no, no. No. Let let them <laughs> let
1: this sit for a while. They can just hold
0: on to that camera. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, there are few negotiators in the world better than a 3-year-old. Okay, yeah. a 3-year-old is a hard negotiator, yeah. you know. And you know, we got we got to recognize that and and um there's this fine line as a as a as a dad between between insisting that your children obey you and giving the la- giving them the latitude to learn to negotiate. Yeah. You know, that doggone it, because that's one of the things they're learning. Like, you know, puppies rolling on the ground, learning to learning to fight and to stay alive. Yeah. Those children are negotiating with each other and with you and they're learning to negotiate with someone who's in a power
1: position. Now that's a pretty mm-hmm. that's a valuable skill. Yeah, it is. You want them to win some of those negotiations, but you, you don't want to just squash it out of them. Leo, my oldest I've, we've just been noticing this lately, and this is a good lesson I could learn. The kid will, he just doesn't give up. He'll ask about something over and over and over. And sure enough, sometimes we just like relent. I mean, we're like, we're fine. <laughs> and I, I, I could probably do better at that because lots of times if I, you know, I'll just, I asked. They didn't want to sell it. He's yeah. like, well, maybe ask him again. Well, so Like that's, I said,
0: i must a my buyer <laughs> on the camera. <laughs> yeah, but
1: you're right. Kids are inherently, uh, they come out of the womb negotiating yeah, just from do. the first minute. It is innate. Yeah. You know
0: rolling back to Jordan Peterson and and watching, watching all you kids raise your kids. It's a wonderful thing to watch, by the way. But his criteria is that up until age nine months, the child is always right. Mm. Always right. Oh, and, and it doesn't matter what that baby needs, but up till nine months, they oh, get it. Oh, oh, I okay, see. I see. All right, then after nine months, you have to start carefully regulating that, and you have to be ready to enter into the negotiation as the power. Anyhow, so I he, see. he has a lot of interesting things. To yeah, say don't about that. don't
1: negotiate when they like want a bottle no, when they're like no, a no, no. month
0: old. <laughs> so so his message is that after nine months, you got to realize, mom and dad, it's a power play. Yeah, you know, the, and so the negotiation is on, and the the, the it's just it's fun to watch.
1: Um, we're going to wrap this up, and this will actually segue nicely to our future episodes. We we did a conversation a few episodes back about Larry Hahn's book. We mentioned we're going to start a book review book club um, component to the podcast. We've we were talking about it before, and it's not going to work, I don't think, for us to kind of read the same book and let the audience know what we're reading and all of us read it together, because even you and I want to read different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if we did both read the same thing, by talking about it, it felt like we would be spoiling it for any audience members who didn't read it. and mm-hmm. And I, I plan on reading some fiction, so I don't you know we don't need spoilers. Sure. I bring this up because what we're gonna do is let you know what we are individually reading, and then we'll circle back and both each of us kind of give a maybe like a review of the book, like a trailer of what we read and let you know. And the book I'm reading has a lot to do with what we're talking about right now. It's it's the rational optimist. And it fits who, because who wrote it? Uh, Matt Ridley. Okay. And it is all about the value and how human beings as they exist today have developed and acquired this wealth by trading mm-hmm. and you know, sort of division of labor and 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 this negotiating and and interacting with you know two parties and both of you come out wealthier than you did before mm-hmm. is is a big part of where the wealth of nations you know mm-hmm. is that Adam Adam Smith Smith mm-hmm. um, you know this is not a new concept but anyways he makes a case for why it's reasonable to be optimistic about the future because mm-hmm. that component of our humanity that we're trading and mm-hmm. making deals just creates wealth and mm-hmm. and we're going to keep on doing that so interesting anyways that is certainly related to uh negotiating because mm-hmm. we're trading all the time you know our our spec house you haven't noticed but all of our subcontractors and the materials and we are we're going to start having some of the the roofing was provided to us by Tamco, which is a, a big roofing manufacturer that was kind of a negotiation how to get their product in there in the right way and it and we're just finding ourselves doing more and more, you know, conversations with different types of people and with each other mm-hmm. in case you haven't figured it out. There's <laughs> a pretty heavy amount of negotiating, even just in how it is we make these videos and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not it's not always obvious at the beginning. And so it mm-hmm. kind of gets like shook out in the end. So. Yeah. And, you know, at. Just kind
0: of bouncing off of that to the end of this, of this podcast, but thinking mostly in terms of the interpersonal negotiations inside of families and inside of communities and inside of friendships, I've watched a lot of people make the mistake of deciding in these negotiations that they would rather be right than happy. Mm. And, and that's, that's just a, a thinking error, to think that it's more important to prevail in this negotiation than to either concede or come to some compromise where you would in fact be happy. Huh. It's so counterintuitive, it's so counterproductive, it's acting against our best interest sometimes in these kinds of things. And so I, I guess that's that something where I, I try to be self-aware enough to know, wait a minute, am I so hung up on being right right now that tomorrow or the next day or a month from now when I look back I'll realize that
1: being right came at the expense of being happy. You, you just really want me to go buy that camera. Would you please buy that camera? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. All right, well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will uh, put this on our second channel, EC2. We might cut some pieces of it into a video at some point on the main channel. I'm not really sure the best way to um, use the videos here, but the camera is rolling, so if you wanna click over to YouTube and take a look at the little um, setting here in the corner of the garage, Uh, check it out. And with that, we will sign off and catch you next time.